0: Trojan fans, it's time for another installment of the Trojan Blast Recruiting Podcast. We give you the inside scoop on everything about USC football recruiting from the experts who know what they're talking about. Which players have an offer, which ones don't, who the coaches like, and who our experts like. And now, here are your co hosts for the Trojan Blast Recruiting Podcast uscfootball.com publisher ryan abraham and uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst gerard martinez
1: hello trojan fans welcome to the Parastyle podcast on a thursday we're going to talk some usc recruiting with none other than gerard martinez uscfootball.com's amazing national recruiting analyst we love gerard we love having him on we haven't had him on For a few weeks with fall camp and everything going on, a lot of team stuff. So we decided to bring Gerard back and talk some USC recruiting. There's been some recruiting news. We're going to get to all that. You guys have sent in questions, and we love those. So if you want to send in more, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or give us a call at 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. And you can leave us a voicemail there. Try to keep it brief, and we'd love to play it. On the podcast, you can also do that on our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page. If you want to get to us on iTunes, itunes.com slash peristyle podcast, we're also on the Google play. We're on audio boom. We're on Stitcher radio. A lot of different ways to get a hold of us. We'd love to leave, leave some reviews, positive rankings. You can subscribe. So lots of ways to get a hold of us. Lots of ways to consume the podcast. And we appreciate you listening and writing into us and. Giving us your thoughts as well. That's what we want to we want to hear from you and try to answer all of your questions. And we're going to do a lot of that today with our aforementioned guest, uh, Gerard Martinez. Hello, Gerard. How are you doing, man?
2: I'm doing good, man. You got a regular monologue that uh, you have before these podcasts. You're becoming a pro at this. It's like uh, you just do it by heart.
1: Yeah. Well, I have a little notes in front of me, but yeah, you can just rattle them off off the top of my head. It's uh, I think we're eight years running the podcast, so you kind of get you get it used to it after a while.
2: Yeah, and you're doing a lot more podcasts per week now. Uh, you're doing individual podcasts with all of us, so uh, you just probably wake up in the middle of the night and just start talking about um, <laughs> how you can subscribe and follow us on <laughs> iTunes.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're actually. Um, so this is our third one. We did uh, Harvey Hyde on Harvey Hyde. Harvey Hyde on Monday. We had Dan Weber uh, yesterday on Wednesday. Today we're going to have Gerard Martinez. And I still have a lot of team questions, so I think going into the weekend, I might do a solo one tomorrow, just answering the rest of the team questions. So it could be a, a four-podcast week, pretty big one.
2: You you should do it from the beach bash. I'm sure everybody would appreciate that. That'd be great. Play a little volleyball, answer some questions, maybe you get a wireless mic on you, and you can play volleyball and answer questions at the same time for the podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if you don't know, we uh, we haven't really talked about it on the podcast, but for uh, if you're a subscriber to uscfootball.com this happens to be our 20th year in business so it's kind of crazy so if you go to the peristyle on uscfootball.com we got some information about a little thank you beach bash uh, that gerard mentioned uh on saturday down at the beach to play some volleyball throw some cornhole maybe have a few beers you know have some fun but cornhole. It was, huh? What?
2: a cornhole. cornhole
1: you know the the beanbag game where you, you throw into those wooden boards you're oh, pol- okay. You never played that well, you're before. You're getting cornhole
2: at the beach. I I thought that the police would show up. But no, no, that's different, a different it's a thing. game.
1: Uh, okay. it, I think it it was more of a southern game, but it's it's all over the place now. They have big tournaments in Hermosa Beach, cornhole tournaments, the beanbag game where you throw it into a a big block of wood. That's uh got a hole in it. So if you get it on the board. I okay, I
2: didn't know what that was called. Yeah, I seen that at tailgates and everything. Yeah,
1: yeah. Same kind of thing. <laughs> I didn't know it was called cornhole. But if you're a member, was... go to the make, go to the site uscfootball.com. Go to the parastyle. We have a pin thread uh talking about our beach bash. Um, well Gerard, we wanted to talk some recruiting. Of course. If I if We want I, to talk
2: about cornhole, the five-star cornhole champion of Hermosa Beach.
1: Uh, I'm pretty good at it, you know. I'm pretty good at the cornhole. Um, I don't know if I'm the champion, but I don't play that often. But uh some recent commits, uh, for USC. So maybe if you want to get your thoughts on that, we can we can start there.
2: Yeah, I think the last time we spoke, uh, USC has had four commits since that point, and they got the two commits, which were predictable. We talked about those guys uh, before they actually committed. And, uh, you know, one being Elijah Vera Tucker, 6'4", 290-pound offensive tackle from Oakland Bishop O'Dowd High School, uh, four-star tackle, a uh, guy that reminds me a bit of Chuma Adoga because he's not the biggest offensive tackle. He's not that 6'5", 6'6", um, big, towering offensive tackle. He's more of an athletic offensive tackle. He's the type of guy that's got great footwork. Um, he's a tr- really tremendous athlete, played a lot of basketball, played all kinds of different sports and really just been playing football since he got into high school. Uh, so he's a guy that um, USC was on hard it really became a huge Pac-12 recruit for all the schools on the West Coast, uh, basically out, out of March. You know, he had all those offers from all the Pac-12 schools and selected USC and really a big get for them in continuing this really good offensive line class that USC has. Um, they had two other uh, commitments from three stars, uh, but, you know, this guy is more of kind of the featured big name recruit, uh, a guy that a lot of people were after, but I think that overlooks the, the sort of the whole of the class, even with, uh, a guy like Britt Niel- Nielsen, who a lot of people were looking at and talking like, you know, three star, okay, that's a guy that, you know, you could kind of sleep on and he's kind of a filler. But he's ranked, you know, <laughs> the number one player, uh, at center in his class and was one of the top, uh, players at that position uh in the spark rankings for all the Nike camps. Um so you're talking about a guy that's, you know, going to be a very good player, they're gonna be able to fit in there and and, and that USC is very excited about. And I think with the offensive line class just in general, uh you always have to kind of remember it's a it's a class within a class. It's a team within a team. You're you're looking for bits of this group and how they work together. There's a synergy there with the offensive line. And so individual players are great but you gotta have a really good chemistry, and you kind of have to have a group of guys that you know really come together. And I think for that offensive line class, we're looking at USC signing four, perhaps five. Um, it really sort of depends. I think when we get into January, and you know, sort of we get into those pivot players, uh, basically those recruits where you're looking at who's the best available as opposed to need. And so with the offensive line class already very strong. Uh, Like I said, you've got Elijah Vera Tucker now, part of that class, who's one of the best players uh, on the West Coast and uh, potentially could play several positions on the offensive line. Again, kind of the comparison with Chuma Adoga, I think a guy that can play offensive tackle but could very well easily move to being a guard. And you watch his film. His film is dominating. He's a guy that sort of flashes those old Jeff Beyer uh, highlight films, if, if people kind of remember, uh, Jeff Byers is a recruit out of Colorado when he was a five star center, which is very rare. You don't see a lot of five star centers. Uh, he was mowing people down in the second level of the defense, um, and, and just had extraordinary film. And, and Elijah Tucker has a lot of that kind of going for him. He's a bit raw. And he's not quite as polished as a guy like Byers coming out of high school or even Chuma Doka coming out of high school. But you see the athleticism and you see the tenacity. I think just the toughness of being able to go out there and just just run people down uh, to block them, you know, whether it's backside, second level, or just at the point of attack. So, a uh, really big get for USC. Uh, and, and like I said before, you know, you got Neal in there, and you also got Andrew Voorhees, who's the big 6'6, 290 pound tackle, who could again also play offensive guard. He's another three star, but he's a guy that's a really good looking football player. And it's, it, I think just the class itself at offensive line is just looking really good, and the potential to get better is just there. There's really, you know you're looking at the guys that are still on the board and the guys that USC has a chance on and I'm sure I'm going to get questions about those guys guys like uh Austin Jackson um, you're 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 looking at uh potentially one of the better offensive line classes in the country and certainly an add on uh, to a position that USC is really good at so a uh, big get there for Elijah Ver Tucker um, the other one that we kind of talked about before it happened, a few, almost a month before it happened, uh, is Jacob Lichtenstein, a 6'5, 245 pound defensive end from Western Florida, goes to Cypress Bay High School in Florida and South Florida. Uh, this is a kid that's, uh, again, sort of a guy that his best football is ahead of him. Uh, he's a bit raw. He's right now listed as a defensive end, he's a three star really project him as a guy who's probably going to put his hand in the dirt and play inside in a 3-4 defense. Um, if it was a 4-3, maybe he'd be a strong side defensive end, but he really projects right now in Clancy Pendergast's defense as a guy that's going to play defensive tackle. I think he'll be probably 275 uh, by, you know, redshirt freshman year, sophomore year, and he'll be a guy that they'll want to play at like 280, 290 and I think he's got the frame to do it. Um, very good on film, very good at the point of the attack. He stacks and sheds the blocks really well. Um, he's a bit of a filler in terms of being a guy that is not going to – I mean, you're not looking at Leonard Williams necessarily. I don't know if you're looking at him as being like a guy that's going to be this amazing player, amazingly dominant, but he's got great motor. He's got great effort. He's strong. Um, he he does play outside of his gap. He's not just completely a body catcher. Uh, he's a guy that can make some plays a little bit downfield, a little bit in the backside. He flashes a lot of interesting attributes in his film. So he's a guy that I think USC was really excited to get. And um, and when you're looking at a defensive line class where you're trying to sign probably five defensive linemen, um, you're gonna have to just get some guys. You know, there's just gonna have to have some bodies. And I think he's a guy that uh, there's a lot to work off of. Um, Another commitment, and this is actually was on the same day as Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, you had Hunter Eccles committing to USC. He had just decommitted from UCLA publicly. I think he was decommitted from UCLA a few weeks before that point um, and then flipped to USC. 6'4, six, six, 230 pounds. He's actually up quite a bit from his listed weight during the spring, which is good because that's really the big question about him. Uh, we had a long future impact piece. Uh, kind of breaking down his commitment and sort of his impact at USC in the class and his impact later down the line. He's a guy that really, it's it's kind of hard to finger where he fits in the defense because he really plays more like a defensive lineman. He's a little bit more linear, north and south, uh, gets upfield. Uh, as Greg Biggins kind of laid out, and I, I agree with him on this, he's a real pass rusher. He's almost a pass rush specialist. Uh Hunter Eccles is not really a hybrid guy in the sense that you're going to be able to drop him back a whole lot in defense he he's not really Porter Gustin in the way that you know he's a guy that plays a lot in space. Now, we don't necessarily know how much or how limited I should say he is in that respect because we never really seen him do that. We haven't really seen him play in space and do things off of the line of scrimmage. We just see what he does for Cathedral High School, and that's get up field and pass rush. And so from that standpoint, you kind of wonder, okay, so how, how does he necessarily fit in? I, I do hearken back to maybe Morgan Breslin, who under Clancy Pendergast was playing that outside linebacker, that predator spot opposite of the Sam linebacker on the line of scrimmage. And he got away with it. You know, he played all right. He was he was pretty good. He was obviously a good pass rusher for USC, but he was a stand-up outside linebacker, basically, in that defense. And there were times where he had to get in the flats. There were times where he had to drop back in the curl. And that's basically what I see from Hunter Eccles. That's going to be required of him in this defense. Um, same we're seeing with Wale Bedeku, another guy that, you know, Wale Bedeku is a, a much better athlete, I think, than Hunter Eccles. But, you know, o- 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 Wale is not the best in space type player doesn't have the greatest lateral movement. He's really a North and South athlete and that's what you want to get him doing. So we're going to see sort of how that position uh, evolves. It's definitely a defensive end and in the 4-3, this guy would be your weak side defensive end all day long. We're going to see how that position evolves as a stand-up outside linebacker in Clancy Pendergast's defense. We saw that one year with Devon Kennard and Morgan Breslin. Now we're going to kind of see with recruiting that position, those guys that are playing there. Right now you've got uh, basically it's, I, I think, Porter Gustin, um, maybe Jabari Ruffin on the other side. We'll kind of see you know with the Sam how that evolves. Um, you know, Chena Nwosu might be another guy, but Achenna Nwosu, Jabari Ruffin, and And, uh, Port Augustin, all three of those guys played legitimate linebacker spots in high school. Port Augustin was a Mike linebacker in high school. Uh, Jabari Ruffin was an outside linebacker in high school. Those guys played standing up in high school. So when you're looking at a guy like Hunter Echols, he doesn't. When you're looking at a guy like Olawale Bejiku, he did a little bit kind of towards the end of his senior year, but for the most part was a guy that had his hand in the ground. So we're going to see how those players adapt to being able to play in space. And finally – they had a really surprise at a left-field commitment from James Lynch, uh, 6'5", 280-pound defensive tackle uh, from Texas, uh, a guy from Round Rock, which is just outside the Austin area, who was committed to TCU. USC saw him at one of the satellite camps, and this is the second player we've seen, uh, C.J. Miller, the safety out of uh, Powder Springs, Georgia, was the other, where this player went to satellite camp, and USC really liked him at the satellite camp. Um, they didn't offer him right away. There's some some talk like USC offered him right away. From what I gather, it really didn't go down like that. They actually offered him right after he decommitted from TCU, and he subsequently committed to USC. Uh, a Nebraska Legacy, his dad played at Nebraska. Uh, there was even some talk his grandfather played at Nebraska. Um, but a guy that, you know uh, – Sort of like Lichtenstein, I mean, he was a guy that got invited to the opening finals, which kind of speaks to his performance at the opening regional in Dallas, uh, where he played really well and and was kind of a surprise performer. Um, Didn't notice him much at the opening finals. In fact, I was surprised that he was actually on the roster when it was brought to my attention uh, because I just didn't remember really seeing him or or acknowledging his performance. Um, He's a little more of a body catcher. Uh, Watching his film... He's not a guy that's making a lot of plays away from his gap. He's sort of one of those Oklahoma Sooner, uh, 2003, 2004 team body catchers where they kind of just kind of sit in their gap and for run support basically they're going to tackle the guy as the guy comes to them. Uh, you're not looking at a guy that's getting upfield and running down plays from the backside, uh, sacking the quarterback outside the pocket, anything like that. Um, so an interesting take for USC, but again, if you're going to take four or five, defensive lineman, legitimate interior type defensive lineman, uh you're gonna you're gonna take guys like that. You you want bodies and certainly he's a big strong kid. He's a good athlete. He's got pretty good spark rating. Uh Nike football rating is is, is fair. Uh ran a five flat at about two hundred and eighty two pounds, I think. Um, which is not a bad time for a guy like that. So um again it's it's uh trying to kind of build that brick wall and you're gonna need some mortar, you're gonna need some rebar and then you're gonna have to have the bricks and uh, right now, you know, everybody's kind of worried and USC's taking three-star guys in the defensive line and they're always looking for the big three technique that's going to be sort of the centerpiece of that. And, um, those guys are still out there. So we'll see how that shakes out. I'm sure people are going to ask me questions about those guys, guys like Greg Rogers and, uh, Jay Tufeli and all those guys. Uh, but right now, you know, that's where USC sits. They sit at 15 commitments going into the season. Uh, so we'll see how everything shakes out going forward.
1: Um, quite a mouthful opening uh, but that was a really good recap of since really the last time we talked to you where USC stands as far as um, commitments go uh, I guess if you just look we get this a lot on the message boards and stuff Gerard if you just look up and down USC's list of commitments um, you do see a lot more three stars I guess than USC fans would be accustomed to. It's just you're not used to seeing that many guys that are that are three star guys. So maybe kinda I know we have some questions that deal with this a little bit, but maybe get your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I mean I think with a class of fifteen, um, there's like ten guys that are that are three stars. Uh one being actually a two star in CJ Miller. And so you don't see many two stars that are you know that aren't kickers uh on USC's commitment list, uh certainly not skilled players that are two stars. So it's a little different. I think that USC is looking for guys that they like, um, and they're looking for guys that can contribute in a certain way, and that's the thing that is sort of different, I guess, about how you look at rankings. You can look at rankings, and you look at the players in a bubble. You know, how good is this player for every team? How good is this player just as an athlete, and you kind of take away the the factor of how he fits into a specific system. And then you can look at it vice versa and look at it, how that player plays in a specific system and how that system will be better for him because of it. Um, So I think with USC, what they're looking at is guys that can contribute to their system specifically, um, how they fit. And for them, uh, perhaps, you know, some of these guys that are three stars, they think are five stars. I mean, maybe they feel like there's guys here in this class Uh, that are able to fit in the system and will be that much better of a player because of the system. Um, Now that's certainly, you know, looking at it optimistically, um, there's players that, you know, like you would say, a, a guy like James Lynch is kind of an odd pickup for USC going out to Texas to get a guy who's a three-star who didn't have any scholarship offers from any of the big schools out there. Um, that's been debated. I know there was a service that was putting out that he had offers from Nebraska, had offers from Oklahoma, had an offer from Texas. I have guys that are pretty plugged into those universities and to those coaching staffs. And I've been asking around and all of them say, no, he didn't have a scholarship offer from Texas nor Oklahoma and didn't really have one from Nebraska uh, after he took an official visit there. So, you know, that's a guy that obviously the, the fans are kind of going, well, hmm, why are we going all the way to Texas or all the way to Western Florida after a guy that, you know, maybe some of the local schools really weren't on that hard. Uh, so we'll see. I, I mean, it, it's one of those things that uh, you, you just don't know how it's going to play out until these guys get on the field uh but i think that you know it's understandable that there's some some nervous fans out there and feel like uh USC's maybe underselling themselves a little bit um certainly it's a two-way street though because now you've got 15 commitments uh but you know after the season depending on how USC does they could be lucky and say wow okay we got some good players here and we didn't have the best season and we're going to stick with what we got we feel like we've got a good core here or USC can have a great season, and then you start to look at, okay, some parts of this class may shake loose. Um, it happens. You know, uh, the kids decommit, you know, looking at the season and how the team's playing in the direction of the program, and then programs sometimes uh, shake loose commits because they feel like there are better players out there. And so either of those two things can happen. Um, certainly this class isn't set in stone.
1: All right. Um, well, let's jump into the questions then, Gerard, if that's cool. And uh, our buddy Bear Secutor wrote in. And he talks about the, the uh, unusual, he said, the unusual number of three stars committed to the 2017 class of those guys, which, uh, which of these guys actually competed in front of the coaches on campus at the Rising Stars camp or other USC sponsors camps uh, where you know what the competition was like. And he said, I totally get taking an early verbal from a three-star recruit when multiple coaches see him perform on campus versus strong competition but jumping on a three-star recruit who skipped the Rising Stars camp, I believe Miller, uh, Grimes, um, and some of the other ones he said showed up at USC to compete, but did, but did some of the others. So that's Bear Secutor writing it.
2: Yeah, James Lynch, as I talked about, the defensive tackle from Round Rock, uh, performed at a satellite camp, uh, USC, or not at USC, was actually in Dallas, uh, with TCU, Alabama, and Ohio State were all at that camp. Um, so he did perform there, and, and Kenichi Dizzi actually was at that camp, um, so they saw him play. Uh, Jacob Lichtenstein, I, I'm not 100% sure. I know USC attended a sound, mind-sound body camp in Tampa, but I don't know if Lichtenstein was there. He's not really close to Tampa. He's on the other side. He's on the east coast of Florida and Weston. Um, so I don't know if he was there or not. I know that uh, they did go see him during the spring, and I believe that was Kenichi Odese who actually went to go see him in person during the spring. So they did see him work out, but not necessarily in a competitive camp uh, situation. Uh, but you want to talk about, you know, the three-star guys that didn't attend Rising Stars. Well, I mean, Hunter Eccles didn't attend Rising Stars. He's a four-star. Elijah Vera Tucker didn't attend Rising Stars. He didn't actually attend the Nike camp up there in Oakland either. Um, so it kind of works both ways. Uh, Waylon Free was at the skills camp. He performed. Eric uh, Cromenhoek actually was at the skills camp as well. He performed. T.J. Miller, again, was a, a satellite camp guy. Uh, Andrew Voorhees, I don't believe he camped at USC um, at all. I don't think he was even at a satellite camp, but I'm not 100% sure because, again, there was one in Sacramento, but I do not remember hearing about him actually performing at that camp. Uh, Brett Nealon um was at USC and did perform at the rising stars camp um Daniel Green did not and Daniel Green is kind of an interesting guy because he was committed and in the rising stars camp was after and usually those commit do make it down to the rising stars camp um so that's kind of a big question as to you know maybe that's a guy that you know you don't come to camp and you're a three star I, I think USC really likes Daniel Green I think You know, in terms of his film and sort of athletically what he brings to the table, there's a lot of positives there. Again, he's just a three-star, but I hear a lot of good things from him. It's really been a great situation with him. Um, That's why a lot of schools were hesitant with him, and we've talked about that in the past. Um, Grimes, as mentioned, was at Rising Stars Camp, didn't have the greatest performance at the Rising Stars Camp. We've seen him perform better. He was kind of up and down at Rising Stars. Marlon Williams was at Rising Stars as well as another three-star receiver that USC has committed, uh, but he only performed probably the first half an hour of the camp and then had some type of ankle injury and then sat out the rest of the camp. He did look good in the limited drills we saw him. Um, he's built, interestingly, probably more like a running back uh, than, um, than a lot of the receivers. He's uh, sort of like Bayless Jones. It, it, you look at Velas Jones and Marlon Williams sort of have a similar body type a little bit. You know, they're sort of shorter, shorter, stockier receivers that are more powerfully built and agile and quick than they are necessarily fast and fluid and smooth. Um, so that's something. I, I watched Invelis Jones in person just during fall camp. I kept thinking, you know, with that number 23 he was wearing, I kept thinking, man, you know, he kind of looks a little bit like a running back. Uh, so maybe we'll watch that kind of uh, as time goes on, but that's the list of who USC saw and, um, sort of, you know, how that evaluation process went. Um, uh, they saw a majority of these guys and certainly, uh, the last couple three-star commits that they've had, they did see, whether it be at satellite camps or elsewhere, um, they did see them in person.
1: Um, we had a couple of questions, Gerard, regarding, um, What's been going on over at UCLA recruiting? USC fans are usually interested in something like that. I'll read you the two. Uh, he said, for next recruiting podcast, I'm curious for GM's reaction to all of the decommits from UCLA. Is it meaningful and why is it happening? And uh, with respect to the defensive target list that just came out, I should look at GM's calling someone interest as high as legitimate future commitment to USC. But if you add the two solids to the four with high interest, the defensive line looks pretty crowded. How does he think that will shake out? That's from David. And then, uh, Mark and Crown City too. Um, he says, uh, my question relates to what's happening across town, the Bruins 2017 recruiting class, whether it's, uh, is there any impact positive or neg- negative for the Trojans? Um, so he said today's announcement that the Bruins lost their seventh commitment and now only have three players. That was a while ago, obviously. Uh, for 2017 suggests the program's implosion is underway in Westwood, not wishing any ill will towards our cross town rivals, just an understanding, if possible, of any of the underlying underlying reasons for the mass uh, evacuation of the commitments. Thank you both again for your tireless work and keep Trojan Nation to keep Trojan Nation educated and informed. Fight on, Mark and Crown City.
2: Okay, so two very different questions. Uh, we'll talk about UCLA first. Um, they had a mass uh, exodus a bit uh, with the commitments, and I, I've seen it spun several different ways. Uh, certainly there are issues there. I, I think that it, you can't really overlook the fact when you have that many decommitments and there's a lot of talk, oh, well, UCLA really wasn't on that guy or, you know, they found somebody better and they parted ways. But when you have that many decommitments, there's an issue. And I think the underlying issue is a lot of sense there in Westwood is Jim Morris checked out and Jim Mora is just not, doesn't have the passion for the program anymore. He's had some personal issues going on. I think he got separated from his wife. He was just distracted and, and, and the focus was somewhere else. And, um, the kids and the recruits are kind of looking at that and they're wondering, eh, is this coaching staff going to be there next year? And I think that's the overlying issue with UCLA. It's just the stability of the program and kind of the direction of the program and whether Jim Mora is all in with the program. um, but we also have to look at it this way, and we always talk about this. It's August. Okay? It's August. UCLA could have a great season and still pull in a great class. Uh, it works both ways with USC and UCLA. Uh, it's one of those things where, yeah, right now their class is underwhelming, and it's certainly, you know, you, you know, a UCLA fan's gonna say, well, underwhelming, what do you mean, Gerard Martinez, Mr. Homer USC fan? Uh, you know, we got, uh, Jimmy Jaggers. USC offered Jimmy Jaggers. We got, um, who's the other kid that they they got? Uh, Quentin Lake, uh, Jalen Shaw. USC offered both of those kids right after uh, their skills camp, you know, and they're now they're UCLA Bruins. Clap, clap, clap. But the truth of the matter is, Jalen Shaw and and Quentin Lake. I don't really know what the story is behind those scholarship offers, but USC wasn't taking either of those guys, and 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 I almost thought maybe USC's offering kids now just to get UCLA to bite on them. I don't, I don't know, but I'm talking to a few sources literally the day after that camp. It was apparent to me that USC wasn't taking either of those defensive backs. Um, Jaggers, USC liked, but when they got Cromin hulk I think they felt Cromin hulk was better, and I think most people feel like Cromin hulk is probably a little better option as a tight end down the line, which is what USC really needs. They need a guy that can play at a tight end position, not a guy that might play tight end, might grow into an offensive lineman down the road and that's really where Jeremy jaggers is projected um I, I think the crowning jewel of ucla's class is obviously jalen phillips uh the number one defensive end uh ranked nationally by Scow, 65 240 uh just a really good athlete really good player a guy that usc continues to recruit and usc is going to continue to recruit him and he's going to continue to say that he has no interest in usc uh but we've heard that before um so you know going forward you know there's a lot of space there for UCLA to, to to drop players and get better players and sort of similar to what I was saying with USC's class of 15, um, you know, how that class is right now and people getting anxious because it's filling up. It, you don't get anxious about a class filling up until you're in the second, third week of January. That's basically what recruiting is nowadays. Now to the second question, um, defensive line. And, and certainly, you know, as I kind of talked about before, USC at this point, we're looking at probably getting four, maybe five defensive linemen, legitimate defensive linemen uh, in the class. So you've got three guys really committed right now, um, and you kind of look at a guy like Hunter Eccles. and again, I, I talked about him really sort of being more of a defensive lineman in terms of his mentality and his ability, what we've seen on tape from him looking at at, like an outside rusher, a guy in a three-point stance is a a weak side, 4-3 outside rusher. And USC is going to have to sort of play a different position and just kind of wonder, you know, how he's going to transition to that position. Um, But you're looking at USC really, I think right now, targeting two other players in the class. Uh, so you do have, you know, quite a few names and, and quite a few guys that USC has to, to, I don't want to say choose from, because they're going to try to recruit these guys, and they have to recruit them. There's not just, you know, picking guys at this point. Uh, I think the two names that come up right now uh, that that USC has the best shot at is probably Greg Rogers, 6'4", 285-pound defensive tackle from Las Vegas, and then you've got Terrence Lang, the 6'6", 270-pound uh, athlete from Pasadena Maranatha High School, a guy that plays tight end, and defensive end for Maranatha. I think those are the two guys that USC has the best shot at. Terrence Lang, we actually just put up a story on. He's going to be in Dallas uh, watching the USC-Alabama game. He's got some family out there, so he's flying out there uh, to go watch that game. That tells you he's pretty interested in USC. He's going to go out there to go watch that game and, and get tickets to that game, let alone you know fly out there to go see USC play. I think that's pretty good for USC. I think they're in a pretty good position for him. Greg Rogers, sort of between USC and UCLA. Um, I think USC is still pretty confident. Uh, Rogers is sort of that guy that, He's he's a guy, you know, he's a four-star guy. I know a lot of people are pumped up about him. We've seen him in person play a couple times. He's a good player, um, but, I I mean, Lichtenstein is a guy that, you know, my my money, I, I think Lichtenstein can play right there with Greg Rogers. I think he's a very good player, and, and a guy that you watch on film makes a lot of plays away from his gap. He's a little more of a playmaker, even, than maybe Greg Rogers. Um, you've got uh, sort of Jay Tufeli, who... Would be, I think, maybe the number one player on the board at that position. Um, you know, fairly talking a lot about Ohio State and Michigan, and I think Michigan and Ohio State are definitely big factors for him. USC is going to continue to recruit him, and they're going to continue to have a shot at him. He's going to take an official visit, and again, depending on sort of the season and him and that official visit and how he gets along with the poly crew that's at USC, um, all those things are going to matter. And so I don't write him off to anybody. It just seems like. There's been a lot written about him in Ohio State and Michigan and you know, USC fans are like, Oh, we already lost him, oh my god, what happened? It must be Ronnie Bradford, doesn't honor good defensive tackles, that whole thing that people love to do and dig themselves into this hole of depression. Uh, during the off season with recruiting. Uh, but then you've got a bunch of other names. You've got guys like Malik Herring who will take an official visit to USC. You've got a guy like Elijah Conliff who is really sort of an outside. He's a, he's a little more of a long shot for USC, but will probably take an official visit to USC. Alec Jackson who put USC in his top five. It's really kind of like NC State, Texas, and USC, and he's been to USC unofficially and loved it at the Rising Stars camp. And that's a kid that I think is way underrated. I think Scout has him as a three-star I look at him and I say, that guy's at least a four-star. So, yeah, you've got plenty of options. there are a defensive line. But that's what USC fans are always chirping for. They want a deep defensive line class. And in order to have a deep defensive line class, especially when you offer all those kids down south that you really don't have a great shot at, you're going to have a long list of guys. And so it's a good thing for USC right now. They're sitting on a, on a core group of guys that they like, that they feel are contributors. And now you're trying to basically put that icing on the cake with the guys that are going to be the playmakers, the guys that might have a little more of an impact early in their careers.
1: We have one from uh, an M. Rodriguez. He says, there's been a run of recent recruits that have committed to USC and say that they're shutting down their recruitment. Is this due to the new coaching staff's philosophy and aggressiveness on defense?
2: No, this is just for keeping up appearances. Um, (laughs) you got a guy like Hunter Eccles who committed to USC and said he's shutting down his recruitment and wants to be an early enrollee. Now, if he's an early enrollee, that definitely impacts how many visits he may take. Uh, certainly January is when things get crazy and kids talk to each other and they start sharing stories of an official visits and then they want to take more official visits. Uh, so if, if you're graduating in December and you're enrolling in January uh a lot of those opportunities for those official visits after the season uh are not available and so therefore kids just don't take as many official visits. But I still expect Hunter Eccles to probably take a visit or two. He'll have a bye week or something and I just imagine with his personality and how he talks to a lot of other kids, he's gonna get the itch that he's gonna go wanna go see a school out of state, perhaps, you know, Florida or somewhere like that where he and you know Jody Lewis or or some other kids that he knows. Um, you know they're in, in local Los Angeles kids that they knows from the camp circuit are all going to go to you know one school or the other on a particular weekend. So I I think it's it's nice to say and a lot of kids say it, but it's just one of the things like you know kids make this mad rush to commit before the season. And why do they do that? And and some of them will tell you and be candid and say, well, I don't want to get hurt. You know, I don't want to get hurt and be floating around here as an uncommitted kid, and then and then schools back off with me, and and they don't have to stick with me. And and now that the schools are not necessarily uh, binding in any way to a scholarship offer to a kid, um, you know, nothing's binding until signing day. But PR wise, it looks really bad if you you know have a kid committed to your class and then he blows his ACL and you say, ah, oh, sorry, dude. We don't want you anymore. That just looks bad. That's bad for your rep, and it looks bad for the school, and schools usually don't do that. USC was going to take Dalen Hayes, who was a linebacker recruit last year, and he blew his shoulder for the third time in in, in in, what, three years of football? I mean, he's not played a full year of high school football, I think, since his, like, sophomore year or something. And they were going to just grin and bear it and say, you know what, we took the kid and he's blown his shoulder again, all right. Well, you know, that's just the way the ball bounces. And they were able to get away with that because, A, the coaching staff changed, but, B, he started looking at other schools. He visited Notre Dame, and that was pretty much a way to say, oh, i going to Notre Dame then. And so, you know, with kids, they want to get in their foot in the door into a class and say they're committed just in case they get hurt. But then after the season, it's like, oh, I'm not hurt. Okay. And all my buddies are taking official visits. I want to experience the process too. So that's what happens. So right now it's just, it's nice to say, I'll believe it when I see it. Let's just put it that way.
1: All right. uh, We're going to go, let's see, JB. He says, thanks for the great program. All four of you bring different perspective and you don't waste time talking about the best hot dog joint in the city like one of the other programs. All right, I'm not sure what you're talking about there, but um, don't think we've talked about hot, any dog. hot dogs. So yeah. I don't know. I do like the occasional hot dog. Uh, I keep hearing about this kid, uh, Colby Parkinson. I think that's his name. He's committed to Stanford. Everyone says he's headed for stardom, and they're wondering why SC did uh let him get away. Is it possible that we already have a Col- uh, Colby Parkinson in the form of Carrie Angeli? Uh, they seem to be about the same size build body wise. I don't know what kind of composition uh that he played against, a competition he means, uh played against in high school, but the kid really producing games, he probably caught more passes than most of the wide receivers. And from what I've seen, he looks really good in the you know, he looked really good in the summer workouts. Thanks, fight on JB.
2: I think Kerry Angeline is going to be a really good player for USC I think Colby Parkinson could be one of the better tight ends we've seen on the West Coast in the last 10 years. Um, he's just incredibly smooth. Uh, frame wise is just, I mean, he's gonna be 250 and he can run. A strong, smart kid. He just, he checks all the boxes. He's just one of those kids that checks all the boxes. And, um, I, I wouldn't want to compare anyone to him right now and say, you know, oh, he could be the same player. I think Kobe Parkinson plays as a true freshman uh, at Stanford, uh, whereas I think Carry Angeline probably redshirts. I think he's got more weight to put on. I think he's just got to get more of the tight end position down. I think you know with Kobe, he's he's a tight end right now. He's a guy that you can plug and play. I think with Kerry, got to put more weight on him. Got to get stronger. Um, you know, talk to you know, John Baxter about his progression and reading between the lines with John Baxter says, and you can check out that uh, newcomer notebook, just go to Kerry Angeline's profile at Scout. Um, he just needs to get the blocking side of things down. You know, Kerry really played more receiver than he did tight end um, in, in high school, and I think that's really sort of the, the part of his game that he's got to develop. Uh, but once he gets it, because he's got that natural receiving skill, he's very fluid, he really runs – as well as any of the tight ends of USC has. I mean, you watch him next to Daniel mentor And a lot of people talk about, Oh, great athlete. Daniel mentor is, and he's good, but he looks like a tight end. He runs sort of like a tight end. He's a little more heavy legged. Um, he just, just, fluidity is not there like it is with carry a little smoother Kerry just you know catches the ball pretty well um he has those attributes of a guy that's been playing receiver for for most of his career and now they just have to sort of build him up to play more of the tight end position with his hand in the ground and sort of you know the run blocking aspects of that so uh, i think with kobe i wouldn't i wouldn't say that, you know, he could be the next story. I mean, obviously it's weird to even talk about those guys like that because, you know, Kerry is in college right now. Kobe's a year behind him, but I've seen Kobe Parkinson and I can say that he's the real deal. Um, he, he's as good as I've seen at the tight end position in a long time. And, um, I, I wouldn't, I would say Kobe is, is definitely ranked to where he should be.
1: All right. Um, let's see, we got bear Security wrote in again. He said, I assume that you agree. USc USC's set at running back with Stephen Carr, uh, don't need a quarterback in this class, and USC's never going to be desperate for a wide receiver or a safety-slash-athlete. But with the other positions filling up with these grinders, depth guys, and projects, the target list is limited. It seems we need to sign a few key guys who can compete for playing time as freshmen to close the class out. So he wants to know your odds uh, on, a f- on a few different um, positions. So the first one is... Uh, Interior defensive line, uh, Wilson or Rodgers?
2: Well, okay. The premise to this question is sort of loaded a little bit. Um, You're talking about wants and needs. And certainly there's always this sort of flux of wants and needs as opposed to best player you can take uh, in contrast to what you need. And so... And you also have sort of, and again, it kind of goes back to what I've kind of tagged as the pivot players, the blurb players, the guys like Hunter Echols that you count him towards the defensive line or do you count him towards the linebacker position? Um, You have, you know, certain positions where because players are versatile, it sort of changes the outlook of how many players you take at that position. So we have to keep that in mind. And then we have to keep in mind, again, a position like running back, which the question is starting off, I assume we're good with just Stephen Carr at running back and we're doing this, 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 and this. USC began recruiting the running back position like they were taking two running backs. And they are still talking to Salvin Ahmed, the 5'11", 190-pound cornerback slash running back, as a guy that is a two-way player that could end up playing running back. And I kind of look at him and see a guy that should probably maybe get his first look at the running back position. He was one of the fastest kids that we saw at the opening finals in Oregon. He was one of the last five, final five, and had, I think, overall the best spark time. I think he had like a 4.38 or something. I'd like to see what that kid can do at running back in college based on his film alone. And now that I know that his speed is legit, that's just a wow factor that I'd like to kind of see what he could do. So that's a guy that USC continues to recruit hard. Um, they've got a couple other guys they're looking at. So I wouldn't assume. I wouldn't assume that Stephen Carr is the only running back in the class. It kind of looks like the chances of him being the only running back in the class are probably better than not but I wouldn't assume that 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 they've shut off all other recruiting from all other running backs and they're not going to, if they can get a guy like Salvin Ahmed there and it's a, and it's opposed to let's say, instead of taking a third receiver in the class, because you can talk about this, you've got Randall Grimes and you've got Marlon Williams, both committed as receivers, Jody or Joseph Lewis, we call him Jody, Joseph Lewis is still floating around out there as a five-star guy. Now, if it's, do we take a second running back versus Joseph Lewis? USC probably takes Joseph Lewis, I think, in that respect. But if it's, well, we can't get Joseph Lewis, he's going elsewhere, then we're just going to take two receivers, and then maybe that opens up room for another running back or maybe another linebacker or a sixth offensive You know, that's what I'm saying in terms of the whole, hey, how many guys are USC taking at each position uh, right now is is ne- you know, you don't really know that until we get down to the home stretch of January and that even then you get a guy like EJ Price which you know USC starts to feel like yeah we really can get this guy so we're taking three offensive linemen instead of the two that we were pretty comfortable with in October November so that so when we get into talking about numbers at each position that has to be very clear that these things change and there's pivots players and there's sort of those blur players that change, okay, is he really a linebacker? Is he really a defensive lineman? And then there's, you know, best that we can take versus a specific need. So, you know, we'll see what happens with the running back position. Um, as we get into either or, again, that's, that's you know, a little bit of a loaded question, you know.
1: Well, uh, well he can, wanted to know USC what the takes, odds were, like the odds of Wilson or Rodgers. Like what are the odds USC signs them? I know you love okay, the odds so question.
2: Okay, so looking at that in a vacuum, okay, we'll just look at that in a bubble. Um, the odds that USC signs Marvin Wilson right now are low. They're low. I'd say, I don't know, 25%, 30%. Um, he, he, this is going to be a factor. Uh, he likes uh, Alabama. He, he likes those schools kind of in that, that area, the, the, the south, and those schools are certainly, I think, have the upper hand for him. So um, if we're talking about Wilson or Rodgers, I'd say USC uh, gets Rodgers at this point for sure. Uh, But, you know, might be an additional guy on top of Rogers, you know, Terrence Lane too, or what have you. But I just, I kind of want to make that clear that, you know, we're not just talking about, oh, these are the guys they're getting because that's the number situation for those. So proceed with the next rest of the question. I I apologize for that not being rapid fire, but when it it always comes up and and you kind of have to clear the air as to sort of, when you're looking at each position, you know, uh, with, Offensive line is a little clearer right now as to, okay, they probably take four, maybe five, but I think they'd be pretty good with four just because you want to take five interior defensive linemen. But, again, you know, the linebacker position is becoming a question as to, you know, do they have three guys committed right now or do they only have two guys and they're looking for another guy? These are good questions, and and it's all going to sort of unravel as, as time goes on.
1: So those were the two interior defensive of linemen. He wanted to know about the cornerbacks as well, Johnson or Holmes. Like, what are the odds those guys are?
2: Right now, uh, Jalen Johnson would be the guy that USC gets. Uh, probably 70% versus, uh, you know, I, 40%. I, I'm I'm interested to see what happens with Jardim Holmes. I, I mean, a lot of people for the longest time said he's going to UCLA. He's a lot to UCLA. And he's just playing games. He's a smokescreen. He is Jack he is the uh UCLA version of Jack Jones for USC. And I laugh at that because a lot of UCLA fans and even some writers don't know how close Jack Jones actually ended up being at going to UCLA. There's a little interesting thing there that even after signing day, Jack Jones was still looking at UCLA. I'm not gonna get into that. Maybe that's a war room down the line, but there's a little something there. So Darnay Holmes, he's talking to USC a lot, and I don't know that he doesn't like USC a lot more than UCLA fans uh, know and and certainly would like to admit. um, I still think he's probably going to UCLA right now. Um, His father has a great relationship with Demetrius Martin. They played, I think, at uh, college together, high school or something like that. Uh, But UCLA has had a really bad run on Pasadena players. I was thinking about it the other day. Marvell Tell, Stephen Mitchell, uh, Tyler Vaughns, Trevon Sidney. They're all Pasadena guys. Um, I think Dietrich Riley was like the last big-time player that I can remember off the top of my head that went to UCLA. So Darnay Holmes is also a Pasadena guy. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But right now, if we're talking either or, I have to pick between those two who USC gets. Jalen Johnson.
1: Um, And then for linebacker Levi Jones, what are the odds at landing him? Devon Jones or who? No, no, it's not. It's not an or. It was just he was just giving two names. So he just wants to know he. These are guys he thinks are going to be. Well, then when you say and
2: instead of or, like what are the yeah, what I are the, the the possibilities of Jalen Johnson and Tarnay Holmes? When you uh, put or there, it's kind of like one or the other. USC has to take them. That's why I'm kind of like maybe confused by the premise of the
1: question. I'm a little, you know, it's it's a persecutor question. Sometimes it gets a little, <laughs> you know, confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. But, so. but he wants to know uh, like the odds because he thinks these are guys that, that USC needs that they not only needs but needs to contribute as freshmen. So okay. So that's what the his premise is that these are guys are, and so what are what are the odds USC lands Levi Jones? Man, Levi Jones. Um I'll say like sixty percent, maybe,
2: fifty five, sixty percent. I think USC leads for him. I think he really likes USC. Um Got to get him on that official visit. Got to have a good season. The interesting thing about Levi Jones, and I sort of talked about this the other day, is looking at the inside linebacker position for USC. I mean, to me, that's where USC needs bodies. When we're talking about linebacker, we're talking about true linebackers. We're talking about, you know, who comes in for Cam Smith, who comes in at Mike Hutchings, the will position. And, you know, Levi Jones is a guy that we sort of projected as a Sam linebacker early on, which in this defense that Pen- Clancy Pendergast runs, a five-two-three-four 3-4 variant, is really sort of the the stand-up outside linebacker spot. Right now they're sort of recruiting more defensive ends to play that position. So we've actually moved Levi Jones over to a will spot on our target list as an inside guy. Um, Giuliano Filanico is the other linebacker committed in the class that is sort of still projected as an outside guy and he's you know listed 64 about 215 I'm gonna keep him there but I've heard some talk like maybe he's a guy that could also play inside um, so again you're sort of looking at those players and you get the versatility sometimes blurs the lines between positions uh, but Levi Jones I I think you know USC feels pretty confident with him right now um, and they should and I think uh, he really liked his unofficial visit to USC in the spring and uh, has been talking up USC and UCLA really I think he Likes the West Coast and likes Southern California. Um, but I, I'd pick USC at this point if it was between then and UC, UCLA.
1: Uh, he had two offensive linemen. He listed Austin Jackson and Alex Leatherwood. What are the odds of those yeah,
2: two guys? Austin Jackson, uh, certainly, I'd say 70%. I, I'm a little wary that he didn't show up to any of the camps. and um, He was evidently took an unofficial visit to USC over the summer, and it was very brief. Um, you'd like to see the guy around campus a little more to feel like, yeah, he was really sort of set on USC. But in general, from what I gather from sources that are that that are that are pretty close to him, he just doesn't like recruiting. He he doesn't like to be recruited. He hasn't really talked to a lot of schools. Now we'll see in terms of official visits if anybody actually figures out where he's going to take his official visits outside of maybe USC and Arizona State. Um, you know, maybe he pops out at a, a bunch of different schools, and all of a sudden that kind of changes the game a little bit. But right now he's kind of viewed as a regional recruit, uh, not really big on recruiting and, and going and taking visits and doing all this other stuff. Um, I thought maybe there's a chance that he actually might commit before the season because of that, but that's not happening. His parents want him to take uh, all of his official visits. So we'll see where those schools are and, and see if, you know, Oregon gets involved and can make a good impression on him. um, Washington, all these other schools. Uh, but right now, I'd say USC has you know the lead for him. I think most people feel like USC is probably the team to be with him. Um, Alex Leatherwood definitely likes USC. He's going to take his official visit to USC. Probably going to take that official visit with Marvin Wilson. Um, but he's committed to Alabama, and we'll see. I mean, maybe USC goes out and they can beat Alabama, and all of a sudden that I mean that would totally change the dynamic of a, a lot of recruitments. I think that would obviously open eyes to a lot of kids. There's 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 kids that are that are committed to Alabama right now that are, that are looking at USC that would like to visit USC. Uh, Vidarius Cowan, I think is one of those kids. It's a linebacker, one of the top players uh, in the nation five-star that is talking about taking an official visit to USC. You know, the official visit thing with USC and especially after the season, we're going to see sort of how they, how they play that. You know, if the coaches actually want to have kids come in during the season, uh, really with the past few coaching staffs, it's really been limited. It's been mostly, after the season, maybe that last game of the season they'll have a few kids, and then after the season they have a run. Um, You know, you just get kids out of nowhere. You know, we go down to San Antonio for the Army All-American game, and every year there's just kids that are like, oh yeah, I'm officially visiting USC, and you're like, what? 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 (laughs) Where's USC? You didn't over the summer have USC in your top ten, and now all of a sudden you're talking about officially visiting them? I mean, Jamel Cook, there's a good example of a kid that I mean, he wasn't talking about USC over the summer or the spring. USC never really came up. But over the season, he was talking to pie, Young, uh, Keyshawn Young, the receiver that you know was still recruited by USC, had an offer from USC. USC kind of was on him, and they backed off of him and then on him again. And it was one of those things where I think they were talking, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to go visit USC. And Jamel was like, yeah, man, Los Angeles, that sounds good. And boom, next thing you know, he's officially visiting USC, and he loves it. Uh, his brother was out here. He's going to Ventura City College, and, and he commits. And so, I, I you know, I mean, USC is that one school, that one destination that everybody kind of wants to visit. All the kids want to visit, especially when it's in January. And you know, you got a Midwestern kid that's you know digging himself out of his driveway every morning when he goes to school. Yeah, I want to visit USC. So they come out of nowhere. So that's you know one of those things that you know Alex Leatherwood and and, and Marvin Wilson. Those guys, will, I think, they'll visit USC unless USC has a, just a 2012-type season and they only win seven, eight games, and it's really bad. And, and, and yeah, they probably go, eh, I could go somewhere else because I don't think USC is really going to be a school for me. Um, but if USC wins some games, yeah, they, I think even if they're competitive against Alabama, they could sell. Look at man. I mean, Alabama, they established. We're just building here. We're just starting the Clay Helton era. They could sell some kids on that.
1: And his last one was Josh Fallow, the tight end.
2: Ooh, Josh Fallow. I'm going to say 50-50 with him. Okay. I don't know. Uh, Michigan, there's a, there's a few schools. Oregon, he really talks up. Um, USC would love to have him as that second tight end, but eh, I don't know. He, yeah, 50-50 with him.
1: All right. And then we have a couple from Paul in Vegas, and we'll wrap it up. Uh, he wants to know, and this is, love these open-ended questions to Gerard. People, do you understand what I have to deal with <laughs> when you ask these open-ended things? Do you know how long Gerard can go on these things? Okay, um, I'd like to hear your top five or six recruits that you'd like to see us sign the most. These would be guys that we have a decent shot at, names we'd want to become familiar with. With the as the season and recruiting rolls on, let me throw out a couple that I think are no brainers: Jay Defaley and uh, the running back who is committed. So we talk about Stephen Carr at this time to us. Uh, a few more names, if you please, that really excite you in this un- upcoming class. Thanks. Fight on. Paul in Vegas.
2: So these are kids that are uncommitted or these are kids that are committed in the, in the class. He mentioned a guy that was committed in Stephen Carr, but then guys were. uncommitted.
1: Yeah. So, so it's not like, just like five or six guys you think you'd like to see sign the most. So it could be a commit or, or not. He didn't specify.
2: Yeah. I mean, i mean, Stephen Carr. I think is definitely a guy you got to hold on to. I mean, he's, he's dynamic. He's going to be a really good player for USC. So yeah, I agree with that. J2 um, a guy that could be sort of a franchise defensive tackle certainly uh, a guy that you put on the list. I, I really like Terrence Lang. I'm intrigued by Terrence Lang, just his skill and his ability uh, as an interior defensive lineman, a, a sort of a, a three-technique-ish type guy that you can put out there or even at the five, depending on sort of the alignment of, of Pat Clancy Pendergast's defense. Um, I love his just athletic ability and what he can do. Um Hmm, Any linebackers that really, I mean, I could mention like a guy like Dylan Moses, but that's a bit of a, a long shot for USC. Uh, the linebacker position is kind of just interesting because it, it it there's it's not real deep right now, and and USC's I think their their class is not going to be quite you know the class that we've seen the past couple years with some of the guys they've had, and that, and and it's it's good because USC right now on the roster they have some really good linebackers. Uh, a majority of those guys are sort of on the outside, um, and they're gonna be losing those guys in a couple years, and I think that's why they're, they're kind of, um, you know, building up, um, some of those outside rushers, but it still definitely makes you wonder, you know, who are they gonna get, um, in the inside, especially if Can Smith, he's gonna take him a while to get back to his, uh, freshman, you know, form with that knee. Um, so I, I don't know any of those guys really, don't, don't jump out at me. Jalen Johnson's obviously a guy that we've seen, a bunch and and intriguing just because of his size. I mean, he's a legit six one, almost six two, and he's one hundred and eighty five pounds. And again, ran a, a fantastic time at, at both the Nike Camps that he went to, both the one in Oakland and the one at the Finals. He was a guy that's running in that four 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 five range for a guy that size, man. That's pretty intriguing. So he's a guy that's certainly, I think, a featured player in this class for USC and a guy that they have, you know, very. I, I think a very good shot at. I mean, I think I put his his interest level or, or commitment um, probably at like 70%. So um, I, I think that's definitely a guy that uh, I would put in there. It's a guy that USC has a good shot at and a guy that definitely could be sort of a spotlight feature player um, in the class. Um, offensively, ooh, you know, any guys. I mean, certainly Joseph Lewis, you could put him on that list as a receiver. Big guy, 6'3", 200 pounds. Um, number one ranked wide receiver in the country. Fast, I, I think I've always sort of described him as a more athletic um, uh, Javon McKinley. Um, he sort of kind of got that sort of vibe. Who, who, you know, McKinley was extremely polished and caught everything at him. And I think he'll be a guy that contributes for Notre Dame. But he doesn't have the athleticism that Jody Lewis has. And I think USC is just in love with uh, what he can bring to the table because they like those bigger receivers. They want to run the ball. You want to have guys that are bigger, you know, kind of goes with the, the Tyjon Lindsey thing. And, you know, USC, I, you know, they recruited Tyjon Lindsey. I, I think they would have loved to have Tyjon Lindsey at a point, but when they started feeling like he was slipping, I think they looked at it and looked at their board and said, eh, he's five, seven, You know, he he's not a big guy. He could be dynamic in space, but we want guys who can block downfield. That's really a big deal. And I think with a guy like Joseph Lewis, they, they really feel like he's a guy that can do really everything because he's got the speed and he's got the size. Um, and I think, obviously, Austin Jackson. You know, that's a guy that uh, is, a, is a premier left tackle. Greg Biggins really gave him a huge compliment, really I was surprise, saying that, you know, he's one of the best pure left tackles that he's seen in the last, like, 10 years on the West Coast. And so that's, that's a pretty, pretty big compliment. I mean, you're talking about Andres Pete and Kyle Murphy, and some of these guys that have come along, um, you know, even maybe going back to like Tyler Luan, uh, so that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty big compliment. And so that's a guy that you definitely would be excited about in a really good offensive line class. He would sort of be the featured player of it.
1: All right. And then one last one from Paul in Vegas. He was talking about the new GPA requirements, uh, requiring a 2.3, uh, GPA. He said these could have far reaching effects on many student athletes. Can we get Gerard's observations? So I'm not exactly sure what he was talking about, Gerard, but maybe you know.
2: Yeah, they're they're raising the core GPA from 2.0 to 2.3. I don't think it will have um, really a huge impact on USC either way. I think maybe it helps a little bit uh, because I think most of the players USC is recruiting uh, for the most part are are guys that are pretty good students. Um, they're not, you know, kind of going after the the sort of borderline JUCO guys. Uh, it's going to hurt more schools like Kansas State and Texas Tech. Uh, a lot of the Big 12 schools really that recruit a lot of those junior college players or a lot of those sort of fringe players. Um, and SEC-wise, maybe, you know, Ole Miss and some of those schools like that that might try to sneak in some guys, it, it'll hurt them. Uh, so perhaps it's it's something negative for some of those schools that sort of, you know, live on the fringes of uh, the JUCO kids and the kids that are sort of borderline, Whereas USC, I think, you know, a year maybe has maybe two of those guys that um, they take waivers on, a guy like Noah Jefferson, uh, perhaps, um, you know, Daniel Green is sort of maybe a guy like that right now for USC, where they kind of went after him early, got him committed, they want to get him on track, they want to get him going, um, you know, when you raise the bar a little bit, the bar is raised for him, so, you know, you got to get those core classes done, which means you're English and you're Spanish and um those things that are required for the university. And so yeah, I, I think um it's not gonna have a huge effect either way. Maybe overall, uh it it it's good for USC and, and probably most of the Pac twelve schools, um, just because they're not recruiting a ton of those guys. It, you know, Cal is it's funny because Cal is a school that sorta for a while and, and I don't know recently I haven't seen it so much, but really with Tedford, they went after a lot of JUCO guys and they got a lot of guys in you know, Cal is this great public school that, you know, has all this great uh, academic prestige and, and is ranked really high, but they were getting guys in that a lot of other schools couldn't touch. They and Arizona both had a special ed program that they were able to get a lot of kids in um, over the years that, that USC, UCLA, and, and, you know, obviously Stanford or, you know, even Washington couldn't touch. Um, so, you know, now that, you know, you've raised the core, and, again, that's one of those things that those those kids that are on the fringes, it's that much harder because you're not talking about just getting your overall GPA up with, with some BS electives, you know, masonry or stagecraft. You're talking about your English, your Spanish, and your math classes. So um, it does probably impact some of those schools negatively. I think with USC, it's a minimal impact, but it's maybe a little positive.
1: Man, we hit the over-an-hour mark on this one, Gerard. So pretty good. We
2: have to, Ryan. We have to hit it because we- I get paid overtime now.
1: And Do we- so- Damn it. Do I have yeah. to pay you overtime for this? Son of a. That's why you went a little long on those answers. That's okay. what
2: it's about. That's, oh, let it slip out. Oh, uh,
1: man. I get
2: paid per
0: word.
1: <laughs> Holy, yeah, no, I couldn't afford that. Um Well, great job. And hopefully, you know, we haven't had you on for a few weeks. And you know, a camp gets crazy. You start doing team stuff, the the, you know, newcomer notebooks and all that. So lots of team stuff going this on. Is the
2: time, yeah, this is the time where recruiting really doesn't matter much. Like it, As far as being on the forefront of the fans' minds, say that five times fast, um, it shouldn't be about recruiting. This is when the guys that you got committed in the last class, you get to see them, and you get to see what their contributions are really going to be, what the rankings really hold up. And certainly, I mean, we've still got, you know, a year or two before you really get to see it all. I mean, guys are going to develop. But um, that's when, you know, fans should be all about the team. You know, first game of the season, playing at Jerry World against Alabama, that's huge. That's really what it's about. Uh, these kids that are making commitments and decommitments. And, yeah, that's – it's. this it doesn't really get important until we get into the latter parts of the season and then we get to see, you know, what, what is the product that USC has put on the field and how does that impact recruiting? Because it does.
1: It certainly will. All right. Well, great stuff, Gerard. Glad we could get you on. And like I said, we'll start our third podcast of the week. I think I'm going to do record a solo one too. Um, so we'll do some more team stuff, team questions, but hope you guys enjoyed this one with Gerard. And, uh, Gerard, thanks again for coming on. It was great.
2: Yeah. And if you enjoyed it, say you enjoyed it. Get on the peristyle and tell people. Is this going to be a free podcast or is it just Oh, it's free. Podcast?
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, get on the paras. Tell, Tell people. Tell a friend. Tweet it out. You can tweet yeah. Gerard at Gmart live. You can tweet me at inside Troy. When I tweet out the podcast link or Gerard retweets it, retweet it yourself and say, "I love this podcast." That would help. That people would be helpful.
2: Actually, people actually ask me questions that are on the podcast or we talked about on Twitter and and I just and and sometimes I forget. I go, "I don't know if this was a premium podcast or it was a free podcast." Obviously, it's this warm-room stuff, then it's premium, and I'm not going to answer that. But then I wonder, if it's free, why are you asking me this question? We talked about it on the podcast. Get yeah. on the podcast. Go listen, listen to, podcast. to it. Oh, I can't listen. I have too much to do.
1: <laughs> too bad. Spend an hour of your day. You can do it while you're you know, taking a walk. You're at the gym. Whatever you're doing, you can always listen to the podcast. That's what's great about the podcast. Just listen to whatever you want. Um, but yeah, so thanks Gerard and everyone else. Thank you so much for tuning in and sending in all your questions. We know you're very interested in USC recruiting, and we are glad we got to talk about it again here on the Peristyle Podcast. So thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by USCfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.